can't work your ass off. Nobody knows you if you if they don't know who you are. Get in the room with the right people. Go to conferences. Pay the three hundred dollars to get an extra that ticket that sits you VIP or a thousand dollars that sits you VIP. Put yourself in the position to network with the individuals who are going to pay you for your money that you're worth. If you if you're if you ask me how I was able to ramp up this business so fast, it was because I was already doing that. And sometimes what a lot of entrepreneurs lack, they think, oh, I have a strong skill. I had great sales. I'm learning marketing. However, if I'm not constantly networking with great people like you, Devin, or other mm -hmm. people in the space, then guess what? When it when it's all said and done, no one's going to know who I am. So because there's no trust and people buy from trust, get yourself in the room with the right people and pay a little extra. And I promise you it'll be worth it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast, Jace Gray. And uh, Jay started out his journey in high school playing baseball, played baseball through uh, part of college and then got injured, um, decided he didn't want to play anymore. So he uh, went back home for a period of time. Dad got him into sales and sold cars for about three years and then started selling vacations for a cruise line, uh, made more money and uh, started to get, uh, get some traction to be a bit more successful, then got uh, let go of uh, from that company because uh, he uh, gave a coworker a sale, um, went into healthcare sales for about a year and a half, and then uh, went into uh, another sales job for about a year. Um, and then after that, left uh, right around Thanksgiving two years ago, decided he was uh, going to start his own uh, consulting and recruiting business, uh, finding great talent, and also started the uh, e-commerce platform so with that much as an introduction welcome on the podcast chase hey devin thank you for having me a pleasure to be on here absolutely excited to, to hear your conversation so or hear your journey have a good conversation um but uh so i just give kind of a gave kind of a quick overview to a, a much longer journey but uh, why don't uh, we uh, rewind and unpack that a bit and uh tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey uh how your journey got started yeah, it, it really got started when, when I, again, when I was just a, a mere boy, right? My, my dad always put uh, a lot of self-discipline uh, into anything he did. And, and that kind of, you know, transpired into me and my brother uh, at a very young age. We were like building sidewalks, driveways, uh, putting tiles on the roof, uh, painting the house, right? All these things that you would think you'd want someone to hire, uh, he would go out and he would do the action by just showing you like, hey, this is how you do it one step at a time. And again, I was super grateful for that because as a kid, uh, he, again, he distilled us with a lot of discipline. And because of that, it kind of, I felt uh, inspired me as a kid to like always put my best foot forward in anything I would do. And I, whether if that was sports, whether if that was in business at, at the time, all I cared about was just, you know, being a kid, having fun, going on the streets, meeting people, right. Uh, playing on the streets, playing any sports. And, uh, I took a liking to baseball because my dad played professionally, right? Mm -hmm. He on his end wanted his kid, obviously, to have that dream. And again, you know, when uh, you have the support of your parents behind you when you're playing a sport, you kind of feel like you're untouchable and unstoppable, right? 
So that support carried over uh, from elementary. Uh, at one point in middle school, I thought I was going to, I wanted to quit because I thought I wasn't any good. And it just wasn't even the fact that I wasn't good. It was just, my dad kept telling me, you're not getting enough playtime. And, you know, looking at business right now and anything I do, I'm always looking at it like, hey, how long have I been playing this game? How long have I been doing this for? And when you kind of take yourself out of that and you realize, hey, you, you've been doing this for a year, you've been doing this for two, you've been doing this for three, there's people out here that have been doing it for 20, 30, or 40 years, you kind of get gained a different perspective on it. So again, when I was going up you know, as a kid, you know, having my fun as a kid, all I all I really knew was playing sports, right? And I was kind of that sport uh, person. I was an athlete my whole life. Um, I always wanted to go to school to play, you know, baseball. And thankfully, I, I did that when I went uh, from high school to college. And I had the opportunity uh, to play sports there. And at that collegiate level, the game starts to pick up, it gets to, and you know, obviously it moves a little quicker. And it was a different experience altogether. But I was super humble and grateful for that, because what came out of it, it was playing it in the snow. Um, if you've never played any sports in the snow, it's not your, it's not the best, especially when you all you've been playing it your whole life has been in the, uh, in the Miami tropic weather, right? So it's night and day when you go from like that to a completely different environment, climate, and you still have to perform at the highest peak and highest level. So I was super grateful for that experience, Devin. Uh, but again, when injuries kind of sideline you and I, unfortunately I tear my meniscus, uh, that really, you know, threw a wrench in my plans uh, to go pro. And there's always a lot of, um, at the time there was a lot of animosity and there was a lot of regret with the idea of, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it because I saw a lot of my friends get drafted. Mm. And that was uh, obviously a, a turn down for me, but I thought to myself, you know, it is what it is. And thankfully, you know, when I went spiraling downwards, uh, my dad was able to catch me uh, and said, Hey, we're just going to go ahead and put you into, you know, selling cars. So then you could be able to take that so-called self-discipline of yours that you've always had into something versus nothing. And I'm so, just yeah, let me just, or maybe just uh, dive in and ask this one question, which is, so you were at the time you were playing baseball in college, playing it on the collegiate level, you got injured. Now at that point, did you just say, Hey, I'm quitting college. I'm going back home. Did you finish the degree or kind of, how did you decide, you know, if you were always kind of anticipating going pro and that looked like it's probably not going to work out. How did mm -hmm. you decide what you were going to do from there? Yeah. At, at that time, I really had to think it through, right. Um, the athletic director, it's like, Hey, your season's over. Uh, you have a torn meniscus with surgery, you're going to probably be looking at about a year of recovery, uh, without it, maybe a two to three. And I'm a big proponent of just self-healing. Um, it obviously, you know, your body is going to heal at its own pace, but when it came down to that decision, it, it was tough, right? It was a tough call I had to make to my parents. It was a tough call that I had to tell them like, Hey, I can't play uh, baseball anymore. And for the, at the same time, you really can't go to school if you're on a scholarship and then you lose your scholarship, right? You have to find other means. So obviously budgeting was outside the question. Being a student athlete, um, those who have played uh, at a collegiate level understand that it's really a full-time job plus overtime, right? There's You wake up every day at 5 a.m., you go hit the gym, you go do, through your practice, then you go to school, then you go back to your practice after you're done with it. It's again, it's a 12 to 14 to 16 hour commitment every single day. And then on the days that you're off from school, it feels kind of the same uh, routine, right? Mm -hmm. So when that decision, you know, came down to, 
I, I knew that my parents wanted obviously what's best for me. So I said, I'm going to take the initiative and figure out ways for me to make money because at the end of the day, right, that's the world we live in. We have to make money in order to coexist into anything we want to have. We need to be able to obviously generate any sort of income. So I started looking around. And at the time, I kind of I promised my parents that, hey, you know what? Um, right now, you know, for the past four years, I've been practicing a lot of trading. Uh, and I said to them, you know what? I, I firmly believe that if I follow my the plan that I can lay out here, just doing this simple uh, compound step by step, I'm able to execute and still make obviously a good amount of money and still be able to go to school, right? So at the time I said, okay, uh, the scholarship is probably going to run out at the end of this season, right? At the end of the year, that's when it's typically they're paying for. And mm -hmm. until then, what I could do is I could basically implement this strategy that I have in place for trading in order for me to make money. Well, I go about implementing that strategy to my parents. They're all on board with it. And within three to four months, my goal is to be making X amount per month. And when we got to those three to four months, what I realized was, is that can I make the money? Yes. But the amount of like time that goes into this, the amount of critical thinking, that game plan that goes to this, it's completely, it's going to take way more than that. So I knew for a fact that is it possible? Yes. But can I execute it within this time frame? Probably not. Right. So I ended up not being able to execute it within that time. And then when I lost my scholarship at that point, I just moved back home. Granted, at that point in time, I remember just being pretty upset. You know, all my friends, uh, they're playing on the off season. They're traveling to Italy. They're traveling to DR. They're traveling to Mexico, playing in the uh, the men's leagues that they have over there in order for them to be able to compete during the off seasons. And that's typically what we do uh, when we play sports is during the off seasons, we go compete in other uh, countries just to gain a different uh, sort of experience, right? Mm. And at that point, I could barely move my leg. Uh, I cannot even sit down without it cramping. And I just knew that this is going to suck for the next, you know, for the next two to three years. Um, I'm, when it comes to the whole idea of like, why didn't you just get surgery? The thing is, is that there was a big, there was a, uh, there was a probably a good opportunity if I would have gotten the surgery, I probably would have had arthritis on that knee. And that was one of the th things I did not want to happen. So I said, I looked at, at the life director. He said, look, you're done, but you could either, you know, for the rest of your life, this is a big if that you may not be able to walk the way you've walked before. And that, that could be handled through surgery. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll take my chances naturally healing. And thankfully, you know, at that point in time, um, I ended up, you know, going to the gym. I ended up uh, take getting NASM certified so I could better understand how to rehabilitate my own body the way that seems fit for me based on just listening to myself. So and I said, okay. Problem. Yeah. Oh, and I said, okay. and I said, I said, okay, well, whatever it takes, I'm going to reheal this, this knee of mine and I'm going to do it my way. Nobody else's way. So now you go and you, so you go through all of this, make the decision kind of, or decide the path that you're going to take. And then as you're going <clears throat> through this, you, you know, you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, move home. Um, and then you're, uh, I think you you mentioned your dad got you into um, car sales and kind of going down the the sales route or path and having that both as a source of income as well as a, a bit of a, what you are looking to do in the future. Um, but walk us through a little bit, kind of as you started down the sales path, uh, how that part of the journey uh, progressed. 
Yeah. So like right around what, as I'm like learning how to heal my body, obviously I'm still not obviously excited about anything. I'm just very frustrated. So my dad, he sees all this work I'm doing and he, he sees that I'm still upset. So he pretty much grabs me and he says, listen, let's just go ahead and put you into sales. Cause you're start, you'll start getting this instant gratification that you're used to when you get a baseball hit or when you steal a base or when you get an RBI or when you get a run and you're going to feel a little bit better about it. So I said, sure, why not? You know, I start, uh, uh, I remember the day, like if it was yesterday, uh, I, you know, I went ahead and I applied for this um, uh, car sales job. And uh, I remember the hiring manager there or the hiring lady there was telling me, oh, so, you know, where are they sending you? And I said, oh, they're sending me to Kia and Mitsubishi. And they said, okay, well, they're, I guess they're sending you to the wolves. I'm a very confident person. Um, I'm a very, some may say I'm too confident and make come off cocky. And I guess she said, okay, well, uh, you know, they're throwing you to the wolves. And I responded, well, yeah, well, I'll come back leading the pack. And she's like, oh, aren't you a confident, cocky SOB? <laughs> and, I, and I said, and I said, well, it, you asked for it, not me. And uh, they went ahead, they sent me over to, to Kia. And I guess most of the guys there were veterans. They didn't want a newcomer taking over. So they then re, uh, transferred me over to Mitsubishi with, at that time, which is still not a popular brand in the States by any means. They've done better over the years. And I became the top producer there within the first month, right? And then month two, month three, month four, the only thing that I wish I could go back on when I was there was I wish I would have been a little bit smarter of how I would have negotiated a lot of those deals because I was working 16 hour days, barely making 50,000 a year, uh, six days a week. And obviously at that time, being a kid, right? Playing a, in a grown man's game there, it takes a toll on your body a little bit different because everybody's unhealthy. And all of a sudden you start getting a lot of, um, you know, let's say uh, bad habits. So being there, I realized, hey, this is not the lifestyle I want. Every guy here is freaking divorced. Every guy here is barely scraping six figures. I started looking at my environment. I started realizing, you know, after being there for three years, I've done a good job of, you know, being able to be a top producer. And that's what ended up deciding me to leave. And I said at that time, I was either between vacation sales, between uh, cruises or, uh, you know, chart private charters. And I really wanted to have a more luxurious uh, sales career. So I said, okay, let's see whichever one takes me first. And thankfully, at that time, cruising became that number one option. And I'll tell you right now, when they handed me that book of a thick, like, book, like, I'm talking about, like, hundreds of pages, I just devoured that book and wanted to know everything about it because I knew the more I could understand what the customer journey was like, the easier it'd be for me to relay that message to them and obviously make more sales. And within no time, I'll never forget this. My first few months, I barely generated any sales. And they do that on purpose because they're just testing you. And then by month four, month five, month six, I started doing 60, 80, 100. I started generating 100,000, 200,000 per month. And I, I they put me as the, the poster child because they were saying how, you know, a guy that has no uh, cruising uh, sales experience comes out of nowhere and just takes and just takes it. And I won rookie of the year that year, won employee of the month multiple times. It was just uh, uh, obviously if it felt too easy um, and obviously uh, every good thing must come to an end. And unfortunately, uh, at the time when I'll never forget it, uh, it was the last day of the month. I decided to help someone out. And in car sales this is very common. You just throw someone a, an opportunity to, for them to, you know, get a sale. They ended mm. up, you know, they ended up seeing that as an act of uh, circumventing the system, which I thought was an act of faith, helping someone that had a family 
who just had their car broken down. So when those things happen in corporate America, obviously the company, all they care about is their bottom line. They don't want to be working with someone like that. And I said, hey, that's perfectly fine. Could you not? And the most interesting uh, conversation uh, two years ago, my brother, and this is just uh, for me to share how crazy the story is. Two years ago, my brother, he works there. And he tells me that the director now who let go of me says uh, he sees all the good things I'm doing and he's happy for me that everything worked out. And I said, well, I'm happy you let me go because I want to be able to be in the position I'm in now if it weren't for you. So there's always a silver lining when things don't add up in that point in time. And I, I, when he said that to me, it just gave me just a boost of confidence in the world. And I'm just super grateful for that. And that's kind of mm -hmm. what led me to that health uh, healthcare career, which was by far, you know, I would say an interesting career. I learned a lot about needs versus wants. I learned a lot about vanity. I learned a lot about uh, being able to sell something that nobody nobody really wants, but they, everybody basically needs. And it was very interesting to see how uh, a different ropes of sales, right? Uh, when it comes to something like that, what I was selling. Now, just Yeah, so now you, so you get into healthcare, find, okay, hey, continue to hone the skills. This is something that people need, but not also necessarily want. And then I think uh, after being in uh, healthcare sales, you also uh, did uh, another sales job for not quite a year. And with all of that, then you, um, you know, a little while back, a couple of years ago now, I think is what you mentioned, um, you decided to kind of strike out on your own and can pursue both the consulting and recruiting business and also uh, got involved with e-commerce. So may, or maybe uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you transitioned to, to that phase or the current phase of the journey. Yeah. So uh, my last job was working for a guy called Grant Cardone, part of the 10X community, it was one of the sales managers there. So that was a, a great opportunity to be there. I was there right, a little bit right under a year. But when I left there, it, it, again, it was uh, the primary focus was, you know, I, I want to go out on my own because I already know sales like the back of my hand. I already know I'm, I'm a I'm a wanted person if I put a resume out there. But the thing was, I was getting a lot of job offers, but I didn't want to take another job. I wanted to go ahead and do something else. And I realized, well, if I'm getting all these job offers, why not find someone who's kind of like me who wants to take that opportunity? And that's kind of what accidentally happened. Um, I sold a company. Hey, I, I believe I could find you someone who's probably just as good as me. And and for that point in time, I said, let me just give it a shot, right? If worst thing scenario is you got nothing to lose. I gave it a shot. I did it. I executed it. I realized, wow, the money's pretty good in here. I started looking at the compensation plan. I started realizing, is this business model make sense? And the moment I said, okay, this is a great opportunity to be in, I started compounding those actions into building the consulting and recruiting business that I have now. Uh, the e-com, it was more as a project to help another business owner uh, that, I, that I am fond of uh, to help him get off, uh, like say the rails and start scaling. But that was more of an opportunity to help him scale his sales team than anything else. So uh, as far as everything else goes, we've just been compounding our actions towards this whole consulting and recruiting business that we currently have. Obviously, I've been featured across the board from multiple publication sites. But for me, all I care about is making the impact that I want to make for every organization to hire a top producer. No, sounds like uh, it was quite now. So you started that out, did that uh, with the with the sibling, um, gone uh, gone down that road. Now that's uh, was a couple of years ago. You got that started, is that right? It will actually be three years come January. Awesome. So you've been doing that for three years. Now walk us through. So you dive into that. 
was it one where it took off and it did great and awesome and money was raining down from the sky? You were teetering on the verge of bankruptcy and never knowing where the next paycheck was coming or somewhere in the middle, but walk us through a little bit as you made that leap and as you uh, pursued that path, how it went for you. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because it, it, obviously it's a lot of, a lot of it had to fall on timing and I'm known for having probably the worst timing ever when it comes to doing anything. And, uh, but somehow it ends up always working out. Right. So when I left, uh, my last corporate job, it was November 19th of 2019, right? Uh, that means right before Thanksgiving, right before a couple of important birthdays, Santa Claus, New Year's, you name probably the worst time to leave a, a company, right? And at that time, all I thought about was, I just, I, just, I just feel like I'm not breathing. I don't feel like I'm living. And mm. I know I have these great skills that I can add to any organization, but I, I'm just sick and tired of doing it for someone else and not for me. So I knew, I knew this, I knew that if I were to fall or fall flat on my face, I knew the consequences, they were going to hurt. But I knew that it wasn't going to hurt as much if I always had this fear of regret. And this is why when I thought about at this Mahoney time, what do I need to do? I remember regretting the decision to quit baseball. And at that point in time, all I thought about was if I would have, if I, if there's anything I regret right now is I regret quitting baseball because that's all my friends get drafted. They're all playing in the MLB. And I told myself, imagine sitting yourself on that deathbed and asking yourself, what are you going to regret now? Do you think it's going to be baseball or do you think it's going to be the opportunity of not go out on your own? And I knew what the answer for that question was. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot on my own. See what happens. Mm -hmm. I, you know, at that point had a network of uh, potential clients that I reached out to all of them gave me a shot within no time. I had to hire my first employee uh, who's still with me today. And then right after that, within a, a couple of months later, we had to hire another person. And since then, I'm not going to say it was uh, easy sailing or smooth sailing because I went into an industry that I really didn't know much about. But what I do know about is how to identify a salesperson who is at the top of the food chain. I I could spot that person like a, a like shark in, in the water. I know where they are. So as we started compounding this, obviously one of the biggest mistakes we made early on was over hiring uh, uh, people internally that we realized we didn't necessarily need. And it took obviously some time to figure that out and then compound the actions to working with the right players. But most importantly, you know, as we were growing the business, scaling the business, got it to multiple seven figure run rates, I was looking at it, how I was doing everything. And I realized there's so many leaks inside this business that needs to be made. Uh, and then we just started obviously implementing the EOS system and that all of a sudden started fixing all the mistakes we've made. And since then, I'll say this, we know exactly the value that each potential new employee can bring onto our team. We know exactly ex how to get them up to speed to success. And then from that point on, it just became a matter of, how do we keep growing this further and further? Do we start a franchising? Do we start giving the options to potentially, uh, uh, you know, acquire other recruitment businesses? Those are the type of conversations I'm having now with obviously acquisition managers or those in those space that been able to take a recruiting business from zero to maybe 20 million, because awesome. that's the foundation that I want to build. No, it sounds like it's been a great journey and a success and found what you enjoy and love. So that's, uh, that's awesome. So 
Well, now is uh, is uh, we've reached kind of the present day of the journey, and feels like we just got here, but we're already reaching towards the end of the the podcast. So we'll. Uh, I always like to wrap up each episode uh, with the same two questions. So we'll jump to those now. <laughs> um, so the first question I'd like to ask is: Along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made, and what'd you learn from it? The worst business decision I ever made it was when I was deciding who to work with on multiple partnerships. I did not do my job of filtering them the way I should have done. Um, sometimes everything looks good. Like, for example, there's been business plans where it looks amazing on paper. But if you're going into business with someone who does not reciprocate your values or your work ethic or does not hone in on their skills the way they're supposed to, don't do it. Like, there's partnerships now that I look at going back, you know, looking back on it. And I was like, that should have never taken place. But I know better now because of it. So, that's probably the worst decision I've ever made was going into the wrong partnerships because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't align the values that we had or the habits that we had. It was just two completely different people. And that's not what I look for now when I look at working with others in partnerships. Well, sounds like, uh, you know, certainly uh, is a easy mistake to make, but definitely a great one to learn from. So uh, definitely a, a great takeaway there. Second question now that I'd like to ask you. So now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a, a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Network your ass off. Nobody knows you if you if they don't know who you are. Get in the room with the right people. Go to conferences. Pay the $300 to get an extra that ticket that sits you VIP or $1,000 that sits you VIP. Put yourself in the position to network with the individuals who are going to pay you for your money that you're worth. If you if you're if you ask me how I was able to ramp up this business so fast, it was because I was already doing that. And sometimes what a lot of entrepreneurs lack, they think, "Oh, I have a strong skill. I had great sales. I'm learning marketing." However, if I'm not constantly networking with great people like you Devin or other mm -hmm. people in the space, then guess what? When, it, when it's all said and done, no one's going to know who I am. So because there's no trust and people buy from trust, get yourself in the room with the right people and pay a little extra. And I promise you, it'll be worth it. Every single time I've gone to a conference, we have easily, easily 10x how much we spent on those tickets just by showing up and introducing ourselves. No, I think that's definitely, and I think that it's one where people either don't like networking, don't or feel comfortable, don't know how to approach it or anything, and yet as you crack that nut and as you figure out, here's, uh, you know, what, uh, or if if we can leverage and utilize that, it can be a great resource for the business and definitely um, can be uh, impactful, so I think that's uh, certainly a great uh, piece of advice and a, a great takeaway. Mm -hmm. Now, as, uh, as we do wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, so I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. So they could just look me up, put Jace Gray, and they'll find me there. Um, so that's the best way of contact. Uh, Facebook, I'm there too. IG and everything else, I have my assistant handle it. So if you want direct, you know, access to me, just connect with me on LinkedIn. And that would be the best way of connecting with me for really anything. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great business, support a great company, and uh, if nothing else, uh, or make any best friends. So with that, thank you again, Jace, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners that are out there, 
you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as uh, listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help with your pat or with your startup or your small business with patents or trademarks or anything else, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, uh, Jace, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much, Devin, as well as for you.